Welcome to episode 97 of the Steady On podcast, Living Uprooted, with me, Angie Bauman, and my guest today, Mary Egebrod. I'm so excited to introduce you to Mary. Mary is a ministry friend of mine with a heart of gold. She lives in Africa, the wife of a missionary pilot working with Mission Aviation Fellowship, and she has recently released a book to help support missionary wives who are living and serving with their husbands overseas. Of course, that's not my work, and it's likely not your work either. However, as I talked with Mary, I heard the invitation of the Holy Spirit to lean in and hear how many of the things Mary shares in her testimony about the work of God in her life apply to my life as well. Things like overcoming obstacles, like claiming peace when our circumstances are uncomfortable, like developing stronger spiritual habits when our faith is being tested, like standing against the lies of the enemy who seeks to shake us loose from our trust in God by tempting us during times of struggle. I selected a verse from Mary's testimony as our verse for this episode, and the words may ring familiar to you. It's John 16, 33, and in the NIV, it says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The Greek word for trouble means oppressing. Jesus is telling us the world will press us, it will press in on us, we will feel the pressure. But he's also telling us that we can receive the peace that is him when we reach out and remember that the victory in all things is already his. I know you'll hear that encouragement as you get to know Mary. Let's listen in. Hello and welcome into this Steady On podcast. I'm Angie Bauman and with me today is my ministry friend, Mary Egebrod. Mary, welcome to the Steady On community. Thank you, Angie. It's good to be here. I'm so excited about this conversation. Mary is a writer, a missionary, a mentor, and she's the author of a new book. It's called Living Uprooted, Encouragement for the Missionary Wife. And before I even start the conversation, I just want to say that I'm excited about the topic of this. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a missionary wife, but I grew up an itinerant preacher's kid. So I know all about uh, moving, moving for the work, moving for um, somebody else's work, trying to find new roots, plant new roots, make a new life when the work is sort of yours by association, but isn't actually yours. And so I think there may be a lot of things, even though we live in different places and have different stories, I think we'll find some commonality here. And I think those who are listening, if you're in ministry and ever feel uprooted, I think you will uh, feel some encouragement and some similarity here in part of Mary's story. So let's just get started with your story just a little bit. Um, tell us about where you are and your service there and maybe um, kind of what led you there? Well, I live in Lesotho, uh, and that is a very tiny country about the size of Maryland, if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's completely surrounded by South Africa. Um, my husband is a pilot, uh, a missionary pilot with Mission Aviation Fellowship. He flies into the mountains, um, and I think... Um, he, his job is very defined. We know what he does. So when I came over, it was like, okay, what, what do I do? What, what led you there? Will you talk to us just a little bit about how you, how you got where you are? How I got to Africa. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with God on that one. Yes. Um, I was set to, uh, I was single 
I, when I got a call to missions, I was single. I wanted to go to Ukraine. I wanted to do physical therapy with the kids, you know, the disabled kids up there. And I had this all planned out. And then um, my pastor took a trip to visit our missionaries in Africa. And he visited Brian, my husband. And Brian was still single at the time. And he said, I wonder who's still single in the church that we could, that we could set Brian up with. He was like, they wanted to find Brian a wife. And so I fell into that category and I would say the rest is history, but it was a long, you know, a lengthy <laughs> courtship, long distance courtship. So yeah, it was really crazy. So you already obviously had a heart for a mission. What, where did that come from? I did. Um, uh, I, I was actually came to Christ uh, at later in life uh, after actually is after a divorce. Uh, that's a big part of my testimony. So I don't mind sharing about that. About a year after my divorce, I had, I had found a, a great church and lots of friends and they were, they were doing a big missions push and it's for short-term missions. And I went on my first trip to Honduras and, you know, the Caribbean oh, twist my arm. Right. But when I went there, um, it wasn't about them. It wasn't about serving them. Uh, I mean, we did serve, but God did so much in my heart during that trip. It just, it just turned my life upside down. And I said, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to serve other people. I want to share with other people what God has done in my life. And so Brian is the missionary in Africa, but you had a heart, an independent heart before Brian for missions, but now you're in Africa more supporting him. And you, you said the question that was on your heart early was, well, what, what do I do? And so I want to ask that question. What do you do? And that was a, that was a question I struggled with for a good long while. And that's partly where, what burst this book. Right now, I am the mom of two. We have our son who was born here in Africa, and then we adopted our daughter uh, three years ago. And I homeschool them, and I pray fervently for my husband while he's at work. <laughs> so, mm. um, and I do what I can to serve the, the team that we, that we do, do missions with. Um, and for a long time, I think... I felt like I needed a, a mission-worthy job title to, uh, to be considered a missionary. But then God has, God has touched my heart so much that, and my husband tells me almost every day, uh, or did tell me almost every day, that supporting him and raising our kids and homeschooling our kids is a ministry that I should be proud of. And he also reminds me that his ministry is so much stronger because he's married now. Like he sees a night and day difference between being a single missionary and now being a married missionary. So that kind of affirmation um, made me wonder how many other women are thinking this, that, that being a wife and a mom is somehow lesser than uh, a ministry job title. And so I wanted to get the word out that this is, a ministry. This is raising our, our kids to know Christ is a ministry that we should be proud of. 
Why do you think we feel that way? Because I think probably missionary wife or not, the idea of being a wife and a mom being enough, if you will, is something that a lot of us, I know when my kids were smaller, that's something that I struggled with as well. When I was younger, I had high career aspirations. You know, I went and got myself educated because I wanted a career. And I have always, since we had kids, I have always worked part-time from home. And there have been times that I've had doubt about that being okay. There have been times that I felt resentful because I gave up capabilities, aspirations, ambitions, and wondered if I was quite honestly wasting my life away. So I'm, is that what you're connecting with? And if it is, help me understand why, why do you think we do that? I would say, I'll, I'll just speak for me and sure. why I think I was doing that. Um, I was raised, you know, in the, with this mentality that we need to pursue a career, that we need to find something that's lucrative, that's going to support us because, and this was, I don't know, maybe it's, because we're coming on the tail end of the feminist movement that a man is not going to necessarily provide for us. And so we need to be able to provide for ourselves as women. Um, and I don't know when that started, but I think that's what, that's what I grew up with. I had um, a family member. I, I was in the military for 10 years and I, I had a, what could have been a high paying job with the government after leaving the service but I went into massage therapy and I had a family member say, why are you doing this? You could have, you could make so much more money doing this with the government. And I, I, I had to look at, I looked at him and I was like, but that's not what I want to do. And so for it, the family that I grew up in, it wasn't enough that I, that I had a career that I, that I wanted to do, but it wasn't, they wanted me to have a lucrative career. And so that's the family mentality that I grew up with. If you're not being, if you're not making money, then I got the message that I wasn't worth anything and I wasn't making a difference. I think so much of that comes from our culture where tangibles equals success, Mm -hmm. right? Money or titles or something we're producing, uh, what makes us valuable. And it's very hard for us to believe that what makes us valuable. And I'm, this is, this is me. I'm not saying I understand this and no one else does. I have a hard time with this too. Uh, But to really understand that what makes us valuable is because God says we are about, because he looks upon us, his creation and calls it good. Therefore it is good and living in a good, it is good. And, but living at peace with that is something that I have found quite challenging because we get messages early and often that that itself is not good enough. And that doesn't mean we are gifted to serve, right? We are called to ministry. We are called to other things, but at our core, God has created us and called us good. And that, that is something I need constant reminding of. So I'm going to ask you then. So that's some of the, the internal, maybe struggle, just sort of that deep down feeling struggle. What have been some of the joys, just what are some of the joys of being in missions, in ministry, what's, what have you experienced? Where have you seen the hand of God all in your life? What's interesting is when I stepped out of American culture, um, those pressures, not, 
I wouldn't say instantly, but they, they gradually uh, like lessened. I, I didn't feel that pressure from American culture because I wasn't in it. Right. Um, and I think just the pace of life in Africa is a lot slower. You don't, we don't fill every corner of our calendar. We don't fill every hour of our day. And I think that has been so refreshing for me because I, I was, I think I was just so tired of trying to keep up with the schedule that I was expected to have all these social engagements or, you know, um, however many nights at church. Right. Um, so it was just, I was just tired. And so when I came, I think the rest was um, eerie, but refreshing. But then many of our joys came from our greatest trials. Like our, we had, you know, our first year was, I'm going to call it our year of suck. It was a terrible, terrible year. Talk to us about it a little bit. What were some of the things? Yeah. That, that you want to share that kind of give our listener this idea of, because a year's a long time of suck. A year of suck is a long time. Yeah. And I would like to say that it got better. (laughs) It really didn't. It was more of our first term, but I'll just go with the first, I'll just go with the first eight months. Um, Like I was pregnant when we came overseas and we'd been married a year. So we were still newlyweds and I'm doing overseas move five. So five months after we moved overseas, it was time to have our son. And we had to go up to Johannesburg, which is a six hour drive from where we live and across the border. So it's in South Africa because there's really no medical care in Lesotho. If I had my baby here, my husband wouldn't get to see him. I wouldn't see him right away. And it would just be bad, especially under the circumstances he was born because after what, 12 hours of labor, he still wasn't coming. And so I had to have an emergency C-section, but my baby never left my sight. So that was amazing. Uh, So even the healthcare, you know, like just between across the border is different. So we're, we're in Johannesburg. We had to stay up there a month living out of suitcases with a newborn baby. And then um, we came back in November and I got an infection. So I had to go across the border for another surgery. We came back and I had another infection we had in December and we had to go across the border again and have another surgery now with a two month old baby. <laughs> that's just the medical for, for three of the first eight months. And then we came back from that second surgery and we had brought my, my dog over from like, I had had this dog for nine years and he was, he was my, my baby. He was my, really my first child. Right. And like we walked in the door and he had gotten into a 10 pound, like Costco size bag of chocolate chips that we had brought over from the States. And if you know anything about dogs, chocolate is toxic to dogs. And, you know, I'm recovering from surgery with a two month old baby. And the next day my dog is dead. And I was like, are you serious? My life is like a country song right now. What is this? <laughs> so th- and that was a week before Christmas. So I was just like, this, this sucks. And you know what? I, I tell you this, the not, not, not for a woe is me story, but, and I know there is, there's absolutely no way I could have prepared for any of that. Right. There's, there's no way to prepare for that. But what I've come to realize is that during that first year, I was totally 
unprepared spiritually to fight that battle. I mean, the enemy was attacking on all fronts, like literally. And I didn't know how to combat that. I like when my dog died, I told my husband, I was like, I want to go home. But I was like, then I, I was immediately rebuked by the Holy Spirit. And I was like, oh, we are home. There's nothing about our circumstances that year that could have been easier had it happened in America. I think that's such an important part, point, Mary. And I want to stay right there for a second, because I think no matter what we've stepped out in obedience to do, when, when we face resistance, right, when life circumstances get really hard, the first thing that we want to do is to let go of the thing that we're trying to do, right? We, I think that's such a natural response. And so for the, for the one who might be listening today and something that you have stepped out to do in response to the call of the Holy Spirit, and it's gotten really hard right now, I just want you to listen to this because I'm going to ask you this next question. I, I want you to, I, I want you to just be as honest as you can be about this, but what changed? What, what was able to change at some point in you to go from this? Listen, I, I'm, I'm mentally down. I'm physically down. I'm emotionally down. I want to go home. But what happened that there was this re- realization that staying the course, if you will, is what God is calling me to do? How did, how were you able to receive that? What did that look like? Honestly, I don't know how it happened. I I believe it was just the Holy Spirit in that moment um, that I I needed to press into God more. And I I will tell you, I want to be honest, my my spiritual life was very superficial when I when I went overseas. And I I had I had some friends that prayed over me and they they warned me about spiritual warfare and the seriousness of it and how it's more um, palpable overseas in in different cultures. And I took it and I I didn't rebuke that. I didn't, you know, I didn't blow it off. I took it to heart and I was like, okay, well, we can do this. Um, I think it was after that first year, I'm like, oh, okay, this is real. And it, you know, I don't want to, a lot of people, okay. I say this in my book, people say, I don't want to over-spiritualize things. I'm not going to say that the enemy caused all that stuff to happen. But he did use it to try to bring me down. I think that's a very important point because I think we can get confused in that. I thank you for letting me pause you right there because what the the enemy doesn't orchestrate circumstances. I don't believe that. He does not work. He doesn't have that kind of power. He doesn't orchestrate circumstances. However, when the medical things and the dog and the new location and the new marriage and the new baby and the fatigue from being pregnant and having a baby, when all that comes together, he's right in that to say, Mary's hurting and she's struggling. So now's the time to remind her of the lie. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so foothold for him. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I will get her while she's down. She's more vulnerable right now. And so I will talk to her while she's down. And so what were some of the things maybe is, is, are you able to identify kind of some of the lies and the, the things that made you want to flee for home? What did that feel like? I think just being in the familiar, you know, um, Instead of instead of pressing into um, my husband and God, pressing in, I should reverse that, pressing into God and my <laughs> husband, um, I wanted to go back to <clears throat> familiar surroundings and familiar people and uh, people that would 
that would just come around me and support me and how I knew they had come around me before. You know, I was in a new, a new community overseas and I didn't know how they were going to respond, but I'll tell you, they stepped up in ways that I didn't Mm. even expect, you know, and maybe even in ways that my American friends maybe wouldn't have, you know? So that them stepping up with, it just made it, okay, no, I'm here. And this is, we're in it for the long haul. We made a commitment to God and we're going to stick this out and we can do this. And so the support that we had with the community was like, that was, that was a godsend really. Yes, it really was right. Because it was a place, maybe I'm going to, don't let me put words in your mouth, but to me, I, what I hear you saying is, you know, God showed up with support and encouragement and strengthening from a place that I didn't even know it was there. And that's what got, that's what makes us want to flee back to something secure because we think the support will be there. And sometimes we, we just are ignorant, I think in, in the purest way, right? We're ignorant to the fact that actually God is going to do exactly what he says and keep his promises, but it's from a place we've never seen before. And so we don't even know right. that it's there yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because he's not done this for us yet. Right. But so that, that faith in the unknown is like, okay, God's going to do something, but we don't know. We don't know what. Yes. So what did that pressing into God and, and I can't, what did you call yourself spiritually? um, Superficial. Yes. Thank you. I Uh, was. Yes. And so how did that, what did pressing into God and growing and maturing spiritually look like for you? What Um, What kind of practices or habits did you adopt and say, I need to take this more seriously? That's how I would say it. Maybe it, it took, so I'm kind of one of those all or nothing people. So I went all in and (laughs) this was a, okay, I need to be in the word every day. And if I, that for me, that looks like usually um, doing a Bible study. Like I found a few, I haven't found one that I absolutely love, but I found some that kept me in the word. So it kept me going. And then journaling through that, um, like my answers and my thoughts and stuff on the Bible study and also journaling my prayers and my journals in that early season, you know, I would write in those little five by nine journals, I would write five, six, seven, eight pages, just pouring my heart out while my son is sleeping. You know, I was just, okay, Lord, we're in this together. And here's what I'm feeling. Here's how I see you working. And here's, here's what I'm expecting. Uh, please speak to me and, and show me the way and guide me and, and, and lead me through your word. Um, but getting into the word every day was the key, key turning point. I love that. And I love that you included, here's where I see you working. I think that Mm -hmm. when we are struggling, when we are in a low season, to one of the things that will increase our faith the most is identifying places that God is working and finding yeah. things to praise him for, because the more, I think that's a muscle we can train and, and, and strengthen our like praise muscle, if you will. Right. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because it, it's like, it, it's one thing to praise him corporately to sing uh, worship songs. I love all of that, but it is another thing to be able to look in this day, in this day where I am struggling in this day, where I don't feel good about maybe my decisions or my circumstances and to say, but today in, in the midst of all that, I praise you for and find something very specific. And I think that's a really important act of 
it's sacrificial praise, but I think it's just, it's a way that we can grow so much spiritually. Mm -hmm. It opens our heart to receiving his grace in a new way. I think that's, that's very important to notice too, because many people that, that I've, that I've met, if you ask the question of somebody, how do you see God working in your life? I wonder what, how deep the answers would go. And so many of us overlook some of the even simple stuff, but even like the big stuff is, and if you don't have an answer for what is God doing in your life, then I think we need to take a bigger, a better look, a closer look at our life and say, well, what is God doing in my life? Yes. You know, how is he working? Where is he coming through? And where is he being faithful? Because, oh, I know I had, and I'm going to be honest, I had my, my anger outbursts at God for things that had happened. But I'm like, God didn't do this. God allowed this to happen. You know, he, he allows things to touch our lives, but it's always for bringing us closer to him. It's, and it's not like, you know, it's like he didn't cause this to happen. It's just something that happened. Just like the enemy didn't cause things to happen, but it's what we do in our circumstances. You know, our, our victory is not in avoiding tribulation. Our victory is in standing strong in our faith through that tribulation. Because, you know, Jesus says in this life, you will have trouble. And, but Jesus has overcome the world. So if we can, if we can look at that and say, yes, Jesus has overcome this. I can walk through this in faith that on the other side, there is hope. Mm, I love that. It makes me think of the verse of scripture that Paul writes in Philippians 4.13 about, I can do all things. Uh, through Christ who gives me strength, right? That, that verse was coming to mind as you were talking, because I studied that a while back and learned that Paul is talking so much about contentment in our circumstances. Like we think about that verse, like I can charge ahead and I can do anything. I can climb any mountain, you know, and that's true. Like sometimes we're called to do these things, but so often the greatest strength we need is to have peace where we are, to be content where we are, to trust God where we are. That takes mm-hmm. an enormous amount of strength, I think, because so often it means to sit and do nothing. I can, I, I can do all things, even if it's just staying right where <laughs> you called me. Yeah. And do nothing and not make it happen, <laughs> not fix it, not charge ahead, but I can sit right here. Um, and that's the all thing today, uh, for which I need your strength. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, how about some encouragement? for someone who's listening to this and they're really resonating with it because they're in missions, because they're in ministry or because they're simply in a, a, a life circumstance that feels like a year of suck. Well, let's use your term as I happen to like it very much. Um, uh, what is some, what's some encouragement that you might have for them? My encouragement is we're all going to face our own long lists of yuck, our own season of suck. <laughs> and and yeah, I know you've, you've had your share and I know your listeners have had their share, but like I said earlier, the victory is not in avoiding that it's in walking through it. Right. I'd love to say that as I became more disciplined in my spiritual walk, that my life got absolutely better, but I had more suck that came and it's just, and not even just my own suck. I, I've watched friends go through suck and it, and it's, And it hurts to see friends in pain, you know, Mm -hmm. but 
the thing is, is like, if we can stay strong in our walk with Christ, stay in his word and remember his promises and look what he's doing in our lives. At some point, we can see past the darkness that we're in. It seems, it seems like the darkness is like overwhelming at times. But if we can look at what God has done in our past, what God has brought us through, and we can always continually keep that in mind and keep his promises in mind, which it's hard for me to do that sometimes. And so I'm, I'm not saying that I have this, it's not perfect to me either, but all the dark times that we've walked through, yeah, they hurt. And I, I wouldn't wish them on anybody and I don't wish to go through them again. But through them, the light has seemed even brighter when I come out of them. And just looking at my past darkness and how bright that light was, I'm like, okay, you know what? This is dark now, but I can almost see that brightness through this, through this trial. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to let myself sit in this, in the grief, in the pain and feel it and not run away from it and let God minister to me through this, because I know that the light is coming. I love that so much. One of the most important things that God has taught me is the, um, the opportunity for things to share space that this hurts. This is uncomfortable. Uh, I am struggling with this and you are here and you are good. And both of those things can share space. The darkness flees from the light, but that doesn't mean, uh, I can't, I can sit in this and cry out in anger, write eight pages of journaling because I'm not happy where I am right now and praise you for where I see you in my life. And both things can be true. I have been so much an all or nothing. I think you said that earlier, an all or nothing kind of person, like it's either all bad or all good. And the Lord has continually invited me to see the good in wherever I am. So I appreciate those words very much, Mary. I'm wondering through this, as you were writing the book, as you've been in Africa, as you've dealt with some of the things you have, has there been a, I know we've talked about a couple already, but has there been a a verse or a passage of scripture that has just been something you have returned to over and over again for strength and encouragement from the Lord? I think the, the verse that I mentioned earlier um, is it's from John 16, 33. So I can read it. I'd I love it, it up actually. Mm-hmm. So in John 16, 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me, you have, you may have peace in this world. You have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I think so many people think that when you become a Christian, when you put your faith in Christ, when you make Christ the Lord of your life, that your life is going to be easy. And I think that's quite the opposite. And I'm not sure if that's just um, a cultural thing or, or not, but I mean, Jesus says we will have trouble, but he says, you have my peace. And that's where I sit. When I'm going, when I'm walking through these hard things, it's like, no, okay, but Jesus is my peace. Jesus is my strength. Jesus is my guide. And I don't have to sit in this alone. And I don't have to think that it's going to be dark forever. So just kind of echoing what I, what I just talked about, you know, 
walking through that trouble and, and looking for the, the peace and the light. You can even have peace in the midst of, of your troubles. So as long as you're, you're looking toward Jesus. Yeah. I think you can especially have peace in the midst of your trouble. And that's the beautiful thing that the Lord has taught me so much about. And I still struggle to practice, but I think I'm, no, I know I am. I'm getting faster at it. And that's, I think that's, you know, that's a sign. Like, I think that's one of the ways that we can know that we're maturing as Christians is when we feel that anxiety, that soul chaos that I call it sometimes that angst in our spirit. How long do we sit with that before we remember? Oh no, this is the trouble. But I can remember the other part of that verse that in Christ, I have peace because Christ has overcome the trouble. And so this is where I am. And this is my reality. But the other is true as well. And uh, that's right. Tr- yeah. And that's where we, we, we learn from our experiences yes. and we grow from them and they add to our testimony and testify about the power of God. Yes, absolutely. And his faithfulness. Yes. yes. Yeah. He keeps his promises and he sure I, does. <laughs> yeah. And I appreciate you reminding us of that today. Before we wrap this up, I always like to ask my guests, I would like you to just give us a peek into what maybe is going on in your life right now. Is there anything that you're reading or studying listening to what's going on with you that's helping you stay connected to God right now? Angie, I am an information junkie. (laughs) (laughs) Got my pencil ready. I'm where do you want me to start? (laughs) No. Okay. So you got me on this Enneagram thing. Okay. So I'm I'm studying about that. Love it. But I'm, um, I'm actually reading a book by Francis Chan called multiply. So he's teaching about being a disciple of Christ and then teaching others to be disciples as well. So I'm, I'm really excited about what I can learn in there. And then um, I'm actually Alan Arnold. I've gotten on his books lately. So I'm reading his, I read already his story of with, and now I'm reading chaos can't, and they actually complement each other beautifully. And I'm really excited about that series. Um, also reading, um, influence oh yes bible study and i'm always studying about health science so anatomy physiology nutrition like i said i'm an information yes you i love that see all the tabs on my computer (laughs) (laughs) i love that that's great i appreciate that so much thank you for sharing those resources for sure so mary this has been a delight Thank you for sharing some pieces of your story and your struggle. I think that, uh, I think the work that you're doing as you reach out to others who are taking steps and realizing there's a song that I love by watermark. It's an old song. I'm dating myself and it's called welcome to (laughs) Delaware. Oh, and I go back to it, uh, with some frequency because she talks about Christy Knuckles sings, Welcome to Delaware. I know you've traveled far and it's a lot colder here than what you're used to. And then it goes on to say, it's God talking to her, you know, and it goes on to say, the only thing that you really have here is me. And it's just about Mm. this. I've never been here before, right? This is a new place, a new environment. Maybe it's not even outside of you. Maybe your, your physical environment has stayed the same, but there's something that has shifted and I'm in this new place. And I love what she says in that song. And I'll link it in today's show notes in case you're interested, but I hear that message in your testimony today that, yeah, Mm. I didn't, I didn't know where I was. I thought I knew I had a plan and then it got altered and I was agreeable to that, but I really was unprepared, but I met you there. What I really had there was you and you showed up again and again and again. And now 
in that knowing you're helping to show up for other people who might find themselves in a similar place. And so thank you so much for, for your obedience in that. And also just for spending a little time with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Angie. It's been, this conversation has been wonderful and I hope it's an encouragement to others. I hope so too. Yes. Mary's book is living uprooted encouragement for the missionary wife. And I will link that and all other kinds of things where you can find and follow Mary. And until next time, friend, thank you for listening. Peace. One more big thank you to Mary for sharing some of her experiences and reminding us that God is familiar even when our circumstances feel everything but familiar. Our verse again is John 16, 33, and I'm going to read it this time from the Passion Translation. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Next week on the podcast, Amber Leah will be my guest. Amber will be with us to talk about food triggers. Amber was a college athlete, a bodybuilder, and then 10 years into marriage and five pregnancies later, she found herself overweight. And many of us can relate to that struggle. I'm going to ask Amber about the tension between loving ourselves as we are and becoming a healthier version of ourselves inside and out. And Amber will be offering some practical, grace-filled steps to better identify some of the why behind our food choices. If you'd like to support the ministry of Steady On, there are three things you can do, and they're all free. First, you can subscribe to the podcast. That helps a lot. Second, you can rate and review this podcast because that helps other people find us. And you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter by visiting the website livesteadyon.com and clicking the orange newsletter button at the top. And that link is in today's show notes. I always welcome comments and feedback. So please feel free to reach out to me anytime by emailing me at steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you're walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.